Hey, everybody. Normally on episodes of AMPM Podcast, I bring in special guests that have some thoughts to share. But fortunately, I get to learn a lot as well, and sometimes I have a few things to share as well. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about some thoughts that I have kind of wrapping up 2020 going into like the prime of Q4 and also some thoughts leading into 2021, some lessons we've learned along the way, especially as I think back to some of the past guests that we've had and some valuable lessons that I've learned getting to be the host. I hope you like this episode. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and at every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AMPM Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM Podcast. First, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for listening. This has been a crazy year in a lot of ways, and for me, there have been some pretty high highs and pretty low lows, but one of the highlights was becoming the host of this podcast, and I know it's not the end of the year yet, but we're wrapping up to the end of the year. We're you know, a month, month and a half out. You know, in my opinion, like once you hit Thanksgiving here in the U.S., you're basically wrapping things up, so as I'm kind of musing and reminiscing about this year, I just realized that I need to thank you guys for supporting AMP and podcast, for being part of the, the community, for listening. I appreciate the opportunity to be the host here. And I really honestly hope that you guys have found some value. If you're listening to this, I suspect you have found some value. Otherwise, you wouldn't be back listening to another episode. But one of the great joys for me getting to be the host is learning along with you. I've had some very candid conversations on camera, sometimes off camera, that have substantially helped improve, you know, my life, my business experience, my wisdom, you know, as little of it as there is, and just my perspective. I think that some of you that follow this podcast regularly have got to witness me having some breakthrough moments talking to these guests. So it's been a real joy for me. I hope it's been a joy for you, but I just want to take a second and thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. And as we, you know, wrap up this year, push into the busiest time, which is, you know, December for us e-commerce sellers, and then move into 2021, I hope that we continue providing really high levels of content, really high value, and that you guys stick along for the ride and keep listening in. So as I think back to 2020, I think it's an understatement to say that in a lot of ways, it's been a pretty rough year. We've had, you know, obviously the pandemic, which has led to lockdowns, which has led to, you know, family issues, which have led to, uh, you know, friends, family, we're all either scared or some of us have been sick. I personally know people that have died of coronavirus. And I know a lot of people that, you know, never got the virus, but were locked in their house for six or seven months. There's been riots. There's been political unrest uh, in many places. You know, we see on the news a lot of talk about the U.S., but there's been stuff going on, you know, all around the world. There's been extreme poverty. Poverty, which has gotten worse in places that are near and dear to my heart, like Central America, it didn't get to make the headlines, but it's a real deal. We had this crazy election cycle in the U.S. that as of what is today's date, 1126, it's still not quite over. We're still battling some of the uh, some of the stuff going on. There have been a lot of bad headlines, right? And going into this year, I had high hopes. I thought everything was going to be awesome, best year ever, and then COVID hit. The good news is e-commerce is booming. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're at least familiar with e-commerce. Whether you're an e-commerce seller or not, 
it is one of those sectors that is growing like crazy. My role at Sellers Funding, one of the companies that supports um, you know sellers in multiple marketplaces, I was just looking at data minutes before we recorded, talking about how the e-commerce industry in itself is up like forty or more percent. You know, Target, their Q3 report is they're up one hundred eighty percent. Uh, Walmart up 80%, Amazon up over 50% from Q3 of last year, looking at Q3 reports. But as much as the e-commerce marketplaces are growing, what's interesting looking at the data that Sellers Funding has is that e-commerce sellers are growing at an even higher rate, right? So I don't have the exact math in front of me. It's something like overall e-commerce industry has bumped up 40% from this time last year, where e-commerce sellers have bumped up like 80% which is crazy. So I know that there's been some bad headlines. There's also been some good ones. Going back to bad bad headlines in the e-commerce industry, there are a lot of things that were wrecked. I mean, restrictions to logistics systems, fulfillment centers being locked down, fulfillment centers being slow to receive stuff, shortage of shipping containers in China, uh, all sorts of crazy stuff happening. So even on top of the bad or on top of the good, you know, the good news of e-commerce sellers, it hasn't been easy. There's been a lot of struggles. For me, I can tell you that uh, this year's been topsy-turvy. I had a business that was completely wrecked the end of last year, and I started off this year um, you know, trying to overcome you know, some, some broken up business partnerships, but I had really, really high hopes for the business that does events, and we do trips to China and things like that. That was completely wrecked. I mean, we were looking at a seven-figure year potentially in that business, and it's done. It's dead. But other initiatives were started, like the AMPM podcast. I've recovered from some some bad business dealings, some bad relationships. I've started new partnerships. I've got other ventures going on, and I've got deals in the works for 2021. They're going to start me off even stronger. So, as I think about this year, and I think about like the good things and the bad things, I start thinking about some of those thoughts that are relevant to all of us entrepreneurs. Right. And that's what I want to share with you today. As we enter the heart of Q4, as we enter like the depth of Q4, I want to be thinking about exactly how we can take some of these lessons that we've learned, good or bad, and apply them to the end of the year as we wrap up. So some of the thoughts in no particular order that I want to share, I hope you'll grant me the time to uh, to share those with you now. The first thought that I've had, one of the first lessons that I've learned from this year is that people are absolutely amazing, right? The headlines are occupied by the bad guys, the guys that you know aren't necessarily uh, those that their mothers are proud of, but really people are amazing. In the midst of the lockdowns, this entire meeting education industry, I mean, it transferred online. There has never been as rapid and swift as a tr- of a transfer of focus and capabilities as there was when all of this, hosp- not just hospitality, but like the education, the events, the conferences. It was amazing. Zoom, the company Zoom that we're all familiar with, had they handled like a 2,000% growth in one month. There's never been like an infrastructure built for a SaaS company, a software company that was able to handle a 2% growth because people are amazing, right? People are able to pivot. People are able to change. It was it was nuts. I know people whose businesses were wrecked because they were in the Airbnb space. You know, they had a lot of uh, properties there. They rented out through Airbnb. And when the lockdowns started happening and people weren't traveling and the vacations were stopping, instead of going home and crying about it, they instantly transitioned their business to setting up 
capabilities for medical staff to utilize their homes. Carlos Alvarez, buddy of mine down in Miami, he had a ton of Airbnb properties. And that's what he started doing is he started advertising to nurses and healthcare workers that maybe were traveling to the area or didn't want to take a potential virus back to their home. They, they immediately rotated. They immediately transitioned. And I think that's amazing. There are companies that right at the beginning of the pandemic lockdowns that had giant banquets. They had all sorts of events planned and they were canceled. They had all this food. Instead of letting the food spoil, they spent extra time, effort, energy to take all this food to help others, to give it to homeless shelters. Big businesses like distilleries, they turned on a dime. And instead of making vodka and whiskey, they started making hand sanitizer and selling it oftentimes at a loss just to support the local communities. That's huge. There is a, I was reading a news article a few days ago about a Baltimore hotel who its restaurants closed right? They had to close the restaurants. And instead of just keeping those offices or those, those restaurants, that space vacant, they open it up to let people come in and prepare packaged meals for those in need. So they open it up for all these nonprofits to come in, utilize the, the assembly lines and the food preparation areas and just the floor space to package prepared food to take it to those in need. That's huge, right? Like it costs a hotel a lot of money to open up their doors, let people in, reconfigure these restaurants, utilize social distancing and things like that. Like that's huge. And there are some other cool people that have done some cool things. I was reading a story about a guy named Matthew Fleming in Tacoma, Washington. Dude was bummed, bummed, bummed when the pandemic lockdown started. He lost his job. He was discouraged. He was depressed. He was sitting at home and he thought, you know what I can do is I can create a business and uh, spread some cheer. And he started a little business called Bike Shoutouts, where what he would do is you pay him a few dollars. And as long as it's within a bike ride distance of where he was at, he would literally ride his bike by and shout anything. I saw videos of this guy. He would ride past a house and scream, I love you, mom. Um, there were jokes. There was all sorts of funny stuff. So you would pay him just to say anything. And it just, it reminds me of how amazing people are and how resilient they are that even just something as silly as doing bike shout outs, like that's getting off your butt. It means we're not sitting on the couch wallowing in our sorrows because, you know, our business or our, our uh, livelihood has come to a pause. I won't say to a complete halt, but to a pause. And here's my point. My great grandma, not my great grandma, but my grandma who is great, my dear old grandma, she always used to say, all crises come to an end right? All crisis, they always come to an end. And when I look back at 2020 and, and kind of the dumpster fire that it was in a lot of ways, it's easy for it to seem like everything was bad news, right? Because that's what we're inundated with is the negatives, the negatives, the negatives. But when you look underneath the surface and you look at what people are doing in response to the the political unrest or what people are doing in response to uh, businesses needing to make tra uh, swift transitions or when you think about the responses that people had to helping others and helping those in need, I see that people are awesome. And I can honestly say that entrepreneurs are absolutely on the top of that list. Entrepreneurs we're not just about making money. I heard someone say that entrepreneurship isn't about creating more income. It's about creating more opportunities. I think that this year has been an extreme example, like, like very clear to me why entrepreneurship is so important. The big businesses, the big box stores, you know, they're transitioning slower than e-commerce sellers, but the awesome people, the awesome entrepreneurs, the awesome hustlers and uh, movers and shakers of the world, at least that I know, are the ones that 
that not only just took advantage of different opportunities this year, but really made big changes for those around them, right? It's not just about money, but it's about creating opportunity, helping those around us, and um, and overcoming adversity, which we've all had to do at some point this year. And uh, I've just been amazed at how fast people are able to do that. Again, thinking about wrapping up 2021 or 2020, we know that this too shall pass, that I'll quote, this too shall pass, and that we're going to get through this. And I'm 100% encouraged that I'm in the middle of an entrepreneurial world that I get to work with entrepreneurs and amazing people every day because they are the ones that are going to get us out of this rough year the fastest, but they're also the ones that have allowed me to have an incredible year personally. And and um, this entire ecosystem of e-commerce has had an incredible year as well because of those people, those movers and shakers. Another thing that I think about, uh, kind of a second point that I want to share, is that life is not always easy when it comes to business. The The note that I made for myself was mixing mortar sucks, all right? And I'll tell you what that is. One of my first businesses was a masonry company, a construction company. We did really high-end outdoor kitchens and fireplaces and stuff like that. And I loved laying the rocks, right? I loved when I'm creating an outdoor fireplace and arranging these stones just right and like knowing that this is permanent, right? But to get those stones laid, I first had to go to a wheelbarrow, and mix mortar, you know, sand and Portland cement in this wheelbarrow. And it sucked. It was the worst. You never know quite how much water to put in. If it's not enough water, then you're just, you know, shoveling dust, which sucks. And that's a pain. If you put in too much water, then crap, now I got to go put in more cement and sand. And it's just backbreaking work because you're literally standing. I never had one of those big mixers. I had a wheelbarrow and I had a, a hoe and I would just mix, mix. And man, it just, it just wrecked your back. But if I didn't go through that effort of mixing that mortar and getting dust in my face and blowing concrete boogers for the next week from all that stuff that got sucked up my nose, like if I didn't do the hard work, then I couldn't take that wheelbarrow from a mortar over and start laying these stones and create something beautiful, right? Mixing mortar sucks, but it's massively important. If we don't do it, we're not going to get to the good stuff. We're not going to be able to create something wonderful. And when I think about this year, and I think about my business, I think about the business of those around me. One thing that I have, like one theme that I've started following this year is that we need to start thinking long-term, right? We get so frustrated mixing that mortar. We get so frustrated, you know, having to do the hard work. And those in our business life are the little hiccups. They're the little mistakes. They're the little issues, right? They're the things that like resonate resonate in our minds is one of the biggest problems, but we have to get through those, right? So as an example, in my coaching program, I tell people, in fact, last night I was on a coach call, we were talking about this. Like if your first product you break even, that's great. And that first product, like over the first six months, you just break even, you don't even make any money. You've mixed a lot of mortar. You've been frustrated. You've had listings de-indexed on Amazon. You've had all this crazy stuff happening. But if you're not putting time in mixing that mortar, you can't build something better. But we like to think short-term a lot of times. We like to think of the little struggles, the little headaches, the little mistakes that we make. And we're not thinking about this beautiful stone wall that we're building, right? This beautiful structure later. I tell people like, mixing that mortar is not fun. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous. Sometimes we end up dirty. And sometimes, you know, we don't get to go lay that stone. It dries before we make it, right? All these reasons. I'm, maybe I'm stretching the algae too thin. But we have to be doing something. We have to be moving along. 
when I think about some of my biggest mistakes in business, or maybe even some of my business mistakes in life, my personal life, like my biggest screw-ups, what I realize now was that those biggest mistakes, whether they're my fault, whether it's bad luck, whether it's, you know, I had this great product I was selling and someone else just completely tanked it, or um, maybe even a mistake that I made. I made a boneheaded decision. I made, a, you know, I, I hurt somebody. I uh, hurt myself. Like those screw-ups, those mistakes, those bad misfortunes, all that they were was my my mixing mortar. They were just preparing me for better things, right? When I look at sometimes even the most frustrating elements, especially the first half of this year, now I'm kind of thankful for them. Like I was just mixing mortar. I was preparing. I was going through the dirty hard work to be ready for something better. When something fell apart, something didn't work out, a product that I wanted to launch didn't work, um, a business relationship I had fell through, a personal relationship I had disappointed me. Like I always think about those in, in kind of hindsight and I can see a clear path of where that helped me somehow, whether it's, I helped, it helped gain, uh, helped me gain wisdom, helped me gain experience. It just cut something from my life that was dragging me down, gave me opportunity to go to something that was going to lift me up. Right. I think about this all the time in the e-commerce business. We're all hustlers, right? But sometimes we get so dead set on, I have to sell a product. And sometimes our chosen vertical, it may just show us another one that's even better. Right, an example of that. I'm going to talk about my my buddy Carl Jacoby, Down South Prep. He has a, a prep and fulfillment center for uh, e-commerce sellers, specifically Amazon businesses. And Carl started off selling online. Right, that wasn't his calling. His chosen verticals. He's going to sell online. I know he still sells a little bit, but when, especially when COVID hit and all of these FBA fulfillment centers for Amazon started slowing down on their receiving and their shipping out. And the logistics system was really, really getting kind of stressed. People were looking for three PLs. People were looking for fulfillment centers. People were looking for options. And guys like Carl, who probably a year or two ago, I don't know this, I'm just speculating, but a year or two ago, defined themselves as an e-commerce seller. Now are defining themselves as someone that supports e-commerce sellers. And that's his new vertical. Like That's where he's going to, to do exceptionally well. That's where he's going to make his money. That's where he's going to impact his family and himself, you know, for the better because of that business. But my point is like, he had to go through those tough times. He had to go through the struggles of, Hey, I can't get, you know, maybe I can't get enough business or, or do I need to upgrade to a warehouse? And then the time came or a bigger warehouse. Then the time came where he upgraded and he moved along. Right. I'm speculating a little bit, Carl, I didn't tell you I was going to talk about you, but you're just like an example of people that are in my life that I see you know, basically on a day-to-day basis that we're able to transition and move. So here's my point. When we think about the tough times this year, what I want you to do is think about them as investments, right? You're doing the dirty work, you're mixing that mortar, you're building the foundation, you're putting in the work for something better, whether that's better experience, better wisdom, better business opportunities, you're being pushed out of a bad situation, you know, maybe forcefully that you don't like, it's all worth it. When you think about, or when I think about like past guests on this podcast this year, the first one I think of is Marcus Whitney. Marcus Whitney was, I mean, incredible guy to, uh, to interview. And you guys can go back, you know, several episodes and listen to that. You can search at Marcus Whitney. But I mean, this guy was living, you know, downtown Atlanta. He was in, you know, a night by night hotel. He was serving tables. He wasn't getting by. He had kid on the way. He had, um, you know, people he was trying to support. And life was tough, man. Life was tough. 
But dude never quit. Dude never got into any shady business. He just kept hustling, kept educating himself. He was mixing mortar. Every night, I know when he walked into that you know, $30, $20 a night hotel that was probably not in the best part of town. There was all sorts of shady folks around. And he kept telling himself, I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep working. Like he was mixing that mortar. And what that allowed him to do was gain the experience and the wisdom to push through any adversity. And now the dude owns a professional soccer team like the guy runs one of the biggest vc firms and most successful firms for like medical technology like who would have thought right so when i think about this world of negativity around us and here's kind of the final point like when we think about all the negative stuff that's going on in the world and we start thinking about the negative stuff that's going on with us the product launch didn't work. This relationship fell apart. I can't figure this out. I'm, I was talking to my buddy Norm Ferrar yesterday, and he's like, Tim, I'm so tired of being in my desk chair. Like, he just wants to get out and socialize. Like, we all need that right now. But this too shall pass. This is all a short-term crisis. And we start thinking long-term, and we realize the world isn't falling apart. The sky isn't falling. We need to take a deep breath. We need to breathe. We need to keep moving. And we need to realize that this year, if it's been tough for you, which for a lot of us it has, a lot of us have been blessed, but a lot of us have been a tough year, just realize that all you were doing was mixing that mortar, which is now going to let you start stacking those beautiful stones and create something permanent. You've been investing in yourself. You've gone through the struggles. And as long as you keep pressing forward, you don't give up, you don't get discouraged, you don't stop moving your feet. You're going to be able to take those hard times from this year, especially from this year, and utilize them to continue improving, making something better later. The third point that I want to make today and, and kind of my, my final point is not contradictory to the other things. You know, I'm talking about moving forward. I'm talking about, you know, keep fighting the good fight and get over the hard times and all that. So I'm not contradicting that. But in addition to that, what I want to say is that we need to make sure that we're focusing on what's important. Okay, what we're focusing on needs to be the important things in life. I've had kind of a recent revelation, and it was really through interviewing people on this podcast. You know, we think about success, we think granular, we think, you know, success is selling a product or creating an agency or, you know, whatever it is. I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe that success for us is you know, becoming a seven-figure Amazon or Shopify seller or creating this great digital marketing agency. Those may be what lead to success, but success is actually creating freedom, creating time for yourself, creating a financial stability, creating freedom for others, creating jobs for others, creating opportunities for others, right? Success is not the vehicle that gets you to the end. Success is the end. The vehicle can change right? And a lot of times, especially me, like I get this crazy tunnel vision. I like get so focused on one project or I get so focused on one product or I get so focused on one business vertical that I forget that what I'm working on for success isn't making that vehicle successful. I just need to get to the other end, right? And by being so focused on this tunnel, I forget that like success is time. Like, like success for me is creating more time when maybe I'm missing that time right now, maybe I have the flexibility right now to spend time with my kids. And I'm so focused on, I got to get this product launched so I can retire in four years and then have time with my kids. But I'm forgetting like, I can still have time with my kids right now, right? Like we get so singularly focused that we lose focus. Does that make sense? I'll give you an example. 
this is one that I've never talked about, but you know, it, it it's real to me. I do trips to China. I've been going to China for like five or six years now, and I've gotten pretty good at it. I know the methods. I know the um, the culture really well, all that good stuff. And before I started doing large scale trips, now I take sometimes 40, 50 people at a time. I would go to China and I would have just clients occasionally come with me. Hey, tag along. Uh, you pay your way and I'll, I'll uh, kind of let you shadow me. And uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe, uh, maybe two years now, I had a client that was going to China and uh, I had a trip, I had meetings set up and the meetings that I had set up were very important to my business. You know, they were, I got to get to these meetings and get these purchases done and get these prototypes figured out because that's success, right? And I felt responsible to this client because while this client came with me, my plan was to, to uh, help facilitate her business, right? That was going to be another vertical of my success was helping this client. And about th three days before going to China, I'm still at this time working as a firefighter. I'm sleeping at the, sleeping at the fire station. Uh, I wake up one morning at like 4.30 and I've got like 20 missed calls from an aunt out in Denver. What the crap? And she's texting me and she's scared and she's got voicemail. She's crying. Something's wrong with my mom. So I call her and I'm like, Amarita, what's up? Like, what's going on? She's like, I don't know what to do. She's like, we think your mom's had a stroke. And my mom is, she's divorced, lives by herself. Uh, in Denver. And so what are you talking about? She says, well, I think she's had a stroke. Oh my gosh. Is she conscious? Is she? No, she's not conscious. She's on a breathing tube. Like, I don't know what to do. So I immediately bought a plane ticket for like two hours later, went and told my captain, I got to go. And I got on a plane, flew out to Denver. Now I spent 10 years as an EMT, right? I, I am fairly confident in at least triaging medical situations, right? So I get to the hospital in Denver and I walk in and my mom's in ICU and she's got a breathing tube in her throat and it turns out she's had a, a very massive stroke, right? Very massive. And I remember um, the neurosurgeon walking in and pulling up a, a scan of her brain and you could see the discoloration where this stroke had occurred. It was actually a... a, a like a full stroke, like blood loss stopped and there was necrotic tissue in there. And it was like half of her brain. And like, I realized like, this is serious. Like, she's not coming back from this. And, uh, of course, you know, I was holding it together cause you know, my other siblings were flying in and I'm like the guy that has to hold it together. And I remember, I'll never forget seeing that image and knowing like this, this is not recoverable and seeing her there in that bed. And the reason she was in the hospital to begin with is she had just had, a surgery on her abdomen the day before, right? So she had, um, long story short, she had a little abdominal surgery, not a big deal. But she, she had been cut open and while she was in the hospital, she had a stroke. And I remember walking up to her and, and we didn't know if she could hear us or anything. And she had her hands bound like in these Velcro straps. I said, what are these for? They said, well, she keeps trying to pull the tube out of her throat and, you know, her breathing tube. And we can't do that, all this. And uh, she was fighting him and, you know, she didn't have any eye movement or anything, but she was fighting these straps. And I could just tell from her body language she was in pain. And I said, do you have pain medicine? She, we can't give her pain medicine. She's had a stroke, altered level of consciousness. And I said, she's got a hole in her, like you cut her stomach open yesterday. You can't give her pain medicine. Like we can't give her pain medicine. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like she can feel pain. You know, like she can't talk to us. She can't communicate. She can feel pain. And I went to her left arm and I removed the Velcro uh, strap. And 
instead of her hand going up to pull the breathing tube out, it immediately went and it found me and it grabbed me and it grabbed my chest and worked. She felt around and grabbed like behind my waist. I'm standing there beside her in the bed and she just pulled me and she would not let me go. I'm talking about iron grip and she was still just writhing in pain and I'm crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> I can't do anything for her and we're in ICU and she's got a breathing tube in, but she's conscious enough that she knows it's me. Like I know she knows it's me because she physically grabbed me and now she's not letting go and they can't give her big sedation because of the strokes. They've got her in like this weird twilight thing with it. It's awful. God awful. And I'm just trying to keep it together, but not doing a very good job. Finally, I begged the doctors. I said, you've got to give her pain medicine. You can't do this to her. You got to give her medicine. You got to give her medicine. They said, we can't give her medicine. You know, we can't give her like an opioid or a narcotic, but we can put her in an induced coma. And what that'll do is it'll give us several days for her stomach to start healing up. We can ease her off. We can start doing some different therapies, see if some of the blood, we can regain some of the blood flow to those places in her brain, yada, yada. And I, I made the decision. I'm like, do it. Like, I don't care. You've got to get her out of pain. Like we can't do this. And they said, all right. So it was going to be like two hours before they could do that. They had to do a bunch of checks, get blood pressure stabilized and all that stuff. And I stood there with her, with her arm around me for two hours. She would not let me go. And like the whole time I am just in agony, like this poor woman is laying here in pain. She can feel it. She knows I'm here, but she can't speak to it. She's had a massive stroke. She can't communicate. She can't do anything. She's just writhing in pain. Finally, they gave her a sedative. She instantly relaxed, induced this, uh, this, this very light coma. I don't even know what it was, but they were actually able to take the breathing tube out of her. She's just laying there and I had this trip to China coming up and I remember my two sisters flew up from Tennessee and uh, they're meeting with me and, and I, I just went to a room and just lost it. I had to go find a room by myself and just cry for a while, come back, got my head in the game. I'll be the leader. I'll, I'll be in charge of this. I've got a lot of responsibilities. I've got a responsibility to my mom. I've got a responsibility to my family. I've got a responsibility to my business. I've got a responsibility to this product I've got to launch. I've got a responsibility to this client that wants to come to China with me. I've got a responsibility to all these things, right? And I was laying them all on like an equal footing. And I started using logic. I started, you know, rationalizing things. And one of the things that my sister said, she says, you got to go to China. I said, yeah, I got to go to China. She said, well, you know, you're going to lose your plane ticket. You're not going to get this deal done. You've got a client that's going to be upset because you're supposed to guide her around China. And I said, you're right. And mom's going to stay in this coma for two weeks. Like, There's nothing I can do here anyways. There's nothing I can do. Like, I'm just going to be dead weight. I'm just going to get in people's way. And I started justifying what I later did, which was left and I left and I went to China and you know I remember thinking oh this kind of relief I'm not just sitting in a hospital you know there's nothing I could do there anyways I kept I kept justifying it justifying it justifying it well about six days into my China trip with jet lag I wake up and it's like four in the morning and I've probably got 40 or 50 missed calls on my cell phone and it's my wife just calling, calling, calling and texting. Please answer, please answer, please answer, please answer. She didn't know what hotel I was at because I was moving hotels. She couldn't call the hotel. And I called her. I said, what's going on? She said, I'm driving to Nashville to meet your sister. We're getting, we've got plane tickets. We're flying to Denver. They're bolusing your mom with fluids. Well, what that means is when they're bolusing, they're basically pumping fluids in your system. Your system's collapsing, right? You're your heart's stopping to pump or they can't keep your blood pressure up. So they're literally just injecting your fluids to try to hold you out a little longer. And she said, they're bolusing your mom, hopefully until I can get out there with your sister and say goodbye. Man, 
you talk about lonely. I'm 7,500 miles away, 4 a.m. in a Chinese hotel by myself. And like, I realized this, like, she's about to die, you know, and my mom had a pretty rough life. She had a few unfortunate events, we'll say, happen. And she was just starting to come around, you know, living her best life, as they say. And she's supposed to be flying out to meet my youngest son, grandson that she hadn't met yet, who's a couple months old, like just a little, little time later. And all this stuff was starting to come together for her. And she was dying in that bed and I was 7,500 miles away. And uh, so I, I, I'm calling the airlines trying to change flights, but I know it's going to take me 40 hours to get home. It's going to be a nightmare and I'm not going to make it. And about uh, an hour later, my younger sister, who was there at the hospital, she texted me. She said she's gone. I remember sitting in the sitting there in my bedroom and didn't have anything else. To do. I went to the gym and started working out. Right? I hardly ever work out, but I remember working out. And it was all just logistics for me. Like, I got to get home. I got to start planning a funeral. I got to deal with the estate, all that stuff. And uh, there's no way I could even get on a flight till like 5 p.m. that night. So I had 12 hours to kill, right? So I went down to breakfast and met my client there. And she said, well, how was your night? I said, well, it was, she knew my mom was in the hospital. I said, well, my mom died. She said, geez, your mom died? I said, yeah. I said, she died a couple hours ago. And that lady, she's the one that made me realize this point. She was like, you should have been there. And I was like, well, we didn't know she was going to die. We didn't know, you know, what was going to happen. We thought she was in a coma. I was just getting out of the way. And she never said anything. But like to this day, I realized, man, I really got my priorities screwed up. And I know it's an extreme example, but we all do this. We all justify a little more time and research. We all justify one more phone call. We all justify, oh, I got to do this and this and this. And we're missing out on the things that really are important because success for me, and I think for most of you, and if it's not, it should be, success isn't another product. Success isn't more clients in your agency. Success isn't a perfectly built funnel. Success are the things that you have more of when you do those things well. Success is more time, more freedom, more stability, more family interactions, more friendships, more deep relationships, more helping others. For me, I was so focused on success being a good trip to China, a good product launch, a good prototype development, good meetings in China, that I was forgetting that success is being there when people need you, being there for your family, being there for your friends, creating stability, creating freedom, all of those things. And I got those misaligned. I got those mismatched. And to this day, that's a lesson I'll never forget. I'm not perfect at it. I screw up all the time. My poor kids have to deal with me in a lot of Zoom meetings at 9 o'clock at night when I should be, uh, you know, having tucked them in or even 7 a.m. on Saturday when I should be on the couch just watching cartoons with them. But I will never forget, you know, missing, not just missing my mom's death, but not being there for my family and not being there with her arm around me for one more hour because I was so focused on this next product or this next trip or this next meeting or this next launch, right? We can get wrapped, so wrapped up in what we need to do that we overlook and forget what we should do. When I was a firefighter, I had um, these crazy relationships with these guys because, you know, you spend 24 hours a day in these fire stations. You either love them or you hate them or you do both, you know, at the same time. Uh, but you get like in these deep, like, you know, you eat all your meals with these guys, like, it's a tight commit community and you start to 
like see people's personalities come out. And there was one guy that, man, me and him just bumped heads like crazy. Gosh, it was awful. Mike, uh, every day I walked in, saw him, I would dread it. He was a uh, captain on the neighboring truck at one station for like four or five years. And man, me and this guy, we'd have knocked on drag outs. And one day I was super frustrated and I was just like ready to blow. Like I was so angry at this guy just saying something boneheaded. And it was all, we call it badge something. I'm a captain, you know, look at my badge, you know, go just being a turd. Right. And, uh, his driver, a guy named Steve, who I really respect, Steve sat me down. Steve said, Tim, why are you worried about this? Don't worry about what Mike has to say. He said, we're firefighters. I said, yeah. He said, Mike is a firefighter. I said, you just said the same thing. He said, no. He said, we are a firefighter. Mike defines himself as a firefighter. I started thinking about that. He said, Tim, we do all sorts of stuff. We collect old cars. We, you know, love watching football. We love go fishing occasionally. We do this and this and this. And firefighting for us is just a facility. Like it's it's our job. It may be something we love, but it's still a job. It doesn't define us wholly. I said, but Mike, it defines him wholly. Like everything in life revolves around his success or failure as a firefighter. And gosh, that is so much of what we do as entrepreneurs. Like we, you know, define our personal success by our business success. And what we have to remember is that we're not a firefighter. We're just a firefighter. We're not an entrepreneur. We're just an entrepreneur, right? Meaning going back to this whole focus, like don't get caught up in everything having to be perfect because we forget to pay attention to the other things. Like our business, our entrepreneurship, our products, our agency, whatever it is, can't be 100% of our focus. We are not defined by our business success. We're defined by much more than that. And when we get so caught up in this, you know, this, this small piece, and we don't think about the big piece, we don't take care of ourselves, we don't take care of our friends, we don't take care of our family, right? And we end up being worse at all of it because when we're not doing those things, we're not going to be as good as our business, right? So those are the three points that I wanted to make to you. I, I, I hope that this hasn't been too sappy. I hope it hasn't been too deep and, you know, weird. And But I really feel this, like th this, this strong desire to share this with you. Like when I think about everything that's gone on over the past year and, and not just because it's still a month before the year ends, but not just what's going on through the end of the year, but the things that I'm keeping top of mind as I finish out Q4 and as I, as I go into the beginning of 2021, like don't forget that throughout all the headlines and the bad stuff going on and the disappointments and the discouragements and like remember that people, one, are amazing. People do amazing things. People have done amazing things. People are doing amazing things. Also remember that a lot of the sucky stuff that we're doing in life, we're just mixing mortar. Like we're just preparing for the fun stuff. We're preparing for uh, building something great. Like we're investing in ourselves, the mistakes, the the losses, the money that we've lost, the, the discouragement, like all that is, is mixing mortar. We're just preparing something great. You don't have to love it, but you should be appreciative of it and respect it. Because if we don't go through those hard phases, we're never going to be able to capitalize on the great phases. And then also the third point was focus on what's important. Don't get so wrapped up in your business. Don't get so wrapped up in this product that we forget that life is not defined by us as entrepreneurs. We're just entrepreneurs. Like that's part of what we are. And whether, you know, you have an extreme case or not, you don't want to be the person sitting in China, you know, 
on some stupid product which I don't even sell anymore, right? And I'm not there for my family, you know, when something crazy happens and, and something I'll regret the rest of my life. So keep focused. Again, I hope this is valuable. I, I appreciate you guys listening to me. Uh, I know that one of the huge values to this podcast are the guests that we bring on. And I appreciate you guys letting me have an opportunity to share some of my own thoughts. I feel like I get exposed to a lot of different thoughts and ideas and content and experience and all that stuff. And sometimes I just want to wrap it all up and put it kind of put a bow on it, you know, leading into the Christmas theme. Um, but no, like just, just recap some of that and consolidate and organize some of my thoughts that I have based on all this stuff. So I hope you guys continue to listen to this podcast. I hope you guys have a killer Q4. Well, we're more than halfway through Q4, but a killer December if you're an e-commerce seller and just keep on keeping on. Remember that all crises come to an end. This crazy year of good and bad is almost over. And 2021, I think, will also be an incredible year. Thank you, guys. We'll see you on the next episode.